0: A passenger in a taxi leaned uh, over to ask the driver a question, and he gently tapped him on the shoulder to get his attention. The driver screamed, lost control of the car, nearly hit a bus, drove up over the curb and stopped just before hitting a large plate glass window. For a few minutes, everything in in the taxi was silent. Then the shaking driver said, Are you okay? I'm so sorry, but you really terrified me. The badly shaken passenger apologised to the driver and said, I didn't realise that a mere tap on the shoulder would startle someone so badly. The driver replied, No, no, I'm the one who is sorry. It's entirely my fault. Today is my very first day driving a taxi. For the past 25 years, I've driven a hearse. We all get afraid unnecessarily sometimes. Some of us have irrational fears that overwhelm us for no real reason. Some of these are very common. Like, if you have this fear, you probably don't want to look at the screen, arachnophobia. Arachnophobia. Because some people have a fear of spiders, an irrational fear of spiders. Or claustrophobia, the fear of confined spaces. Or the one that I suffer from is acrophobia, the fear of heights. doesn't make any sense, but your legs just go to jelly when you're standing up there. Others are a little bit more uncommon, like this one. Odontophobia, the fear of teeth. I don't know how you survive with that one. Or this one, which is even stranger, porphyrophobia, the fear of the colour purple. So a lot of our fears are just completely irrational and nonsense. But many of them just reflect the fact that we're living in a dangerous world. That we face dangers constantly. The people of Israel, they had reason to fear. They were at war with the Philistines. Their two armies had lined up on opposite sides of the valley of Elah. And as if that was not bad enough, one of the Philistine soldiers had challenged one of the Israelites to a one-to-one contest. The deal was that whoever would win that fight would win the battle. The losing side would become slaves of the winners. But the problem was, this Philistine champion was an absolutely massive guy called Goliath. It says in 1 Samuel 17 that he was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armour of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. On his legs he wore bronze greaves, and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod, and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. That guy was fierce, like the Terminator on steroids. His armour alone weighed nearly 60 kilograms, that's nine stone. And so it's not surprising that none of these Israelites wanted to fight him. Even King Saul, the one who was supposed to be the champion, the one who was supposed to be the protector of the nation, the one who was a head taller than everybody else in the the land, he was paralyzed with fear. On hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. And so for the next 40 days, these armies lined up for battle. And every day, Goliath would step out and issue his challenge. And every day, the Israelites would run away in terror and in fear. In our lives, we too face really difficult and dangerous and frightening situations. Over the past couple of years, we've probably faced more than usual. Some of us have struggled with the lockdowns and the isolation that it's caused. Some of us have have faced the fear of losing a job or of getting really ill, of having to go to hospital and all of that involves in the middle of this, this time, or even of death. And all of us have faced that fear that comes from the uncertainty of living in the middle of a pandemic. And then this week, many people have been filled with fear because of that tragic event in Tullamore, where that young woman lost her life so brutally. But even in the best of times, when everything seems to be going well, the reality is we're all in the middle of a fierce battle. And we all face a terrifying enemy. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. So in a sense, fear in our lives, is not stupid. It's not ridiculous. It's just the natural response to the danger that we face. We are in a life or death battle every day. But the good news is this morning, we don't need to be defeated by that fear. We can learn from David this morning about how we can face that giant of fear David was sent by his dad to, to take food to his brothers who were fighting in King Saul's army and to find out how they were doing no texts or whatsapp in those days but just when David arrived Goliath again stepped out and issued his challenge and challenged the Israelites to send him a champion And so we're going to pick up our reading from there it's 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 25 and we're going to read down just to verse 37 and Leona's going to come and read to us this morning
1: now the Israelites had been saying, do you see how this man keeps coming out he comes out to defy Israel The the king will give great wealth to the man who kills him he will also give him his daughter in marriage, and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. David asked the men standing near him, "What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God?" They repeated to him what they had been saying, and told him, "This is what will be done for the man who kills him." When Eliab, David's older brother, Heard him speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Now what have I done? Said David. Can't I even speak? He then turned away to someone else and brought up the same matter. And the men answered him as before. What David said was overheard and reported to Saul. And Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, Let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a young man, and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul said, Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you.
0: Thank you very much, Leona. When everybody else ran in fear, David stepped up. Let no one lose, account on, uh, lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. So what was different about David? Why did David volunteer when everybody else was paralyzed by fear? Well, his brother Eliab thought he knew. He angrily said to David, I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. He believed that David volunteered because he was bored looking after the sheep. He wanted a bit of thrill, a bit of excitement. And because he was so proud and arrogant that he thought that he could win this battle. And it's true that some people don't struggle with fear because they they overestimate their ability to cope with the dangers of life. They think they can handle everything that comes. But that's a dangerous attitude. Paul warned us of that attitude in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. If we think that in of ourselves, we have the strength and the commitment and the courage and the energy to handle everything that life will throw at us. If we think that we can resist the attacks of the devil on our own, then sooner or later we're heading for disaster. So Eliab, he thought it was arrogance by David Volunteer. Saul, he just thought it was foolishness. Look at verse 33. You are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You are only a boy. And he's been a fighting man from his youth. Now we need to be clear here. If you grew up with stories of David and Goliath and little children's uh, storybooks, you might have seen this tiny little weedy little boy called David. That's not really what was happening here. David was not a little wimp. And he wasn't a little boy at this time. The chapter before describes him as a brave man. A warrior. But the thing is, compared to Goliath, he was a weakling. Humanly speaking, this contest was not even going to be close. In terms of height and strength and experience, Goliath was sure to win. And humanly speaking, it is foolishness for us not to be afraid. James says in James chapter 4, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are, you are a mist that appears for a little while, then vanishes. No wonder fear impacts our lives, because we are not in control of our lives. We don't know what's going to happen. We can't protect ourselves. We can't hold on to what we have in our lives. We are in danger. Eliab, he thought David volunteered out of arrogance. Saul, he thought David volunteered because he was just foolish. But the real reason for why David volunteered was because he was confident in God. Because up to now, everybody had been dealing with this issue as if it was just a military problem. When Goliath challenged the Israelites, he said this, Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? And the Israelites, they also saw the battle this way. They said about Goliath, He comes out to defy Israel. Everyone else saw it as a military problem, but David saw it as a theological problem. He saw the bigger picture. He realized that Goliath had not just come to defy Saul or Israel. Look at verse 26 that Leona read to us. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living David realized that in attacking Israel, Goliath and the Philistines were actually attacking God. This is what Jesus told another man called Saul hundreds of years later. Jesus confronted this man on the road to Damascus and said, Saul, Saul, Why do you persecute me? Those who attack Christians are attacking Christ. Those who attack God's people are attacking God. When people attack God's people, God takes that personally and so Goliath was not just challenging Israel and the armies of Saul he was challenging God himself and David was absolutely convinced that God could defend himself and his people this is what he said later to Goliath in verse 45 you come against me With sword and spear and javelin. But I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. The God of the armies of Israel. Whom you have defied. This day the Lord will hand you over to me. David knew that the battle was the Lord's. And he was confident that God could overcome. Why? Where did David get that confidence from? Was it just kind of blind faith? Was it just kind of unshakable optimism? No. This was biblical faith. Based on God's promises. Because God had promised, for example, in Deuteronomy chapter 20, when you go to war against your enemies and see horses and chariots and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you up out of Egypt will be with you. David could just stand on the promises of God. And David had proved this in his life. This was not the first challenge that David had experienced to his faith David's sheep had been attacked by a lion and a bear and in God's strength David had defeated those animals and rescued his sheep and David was confident that God would do the same in this situation verse 37 the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me From the hand of this Philistine. And we too can have that confidence based on the promises of God. Hebrews chapter 13, it says, God has said, Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we can say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid what can man do to me? So as we learn these promises, and as we read them, and as we prove them in our lives, put them into practice, then our confidence in God will grow. And we'll be able to stand in faith, believing that if God is for us, who can be against us? So David was confident in his God. And so Saul responded, Go, and the Lord be with you. Now I'm not sure if Saul really believed this, or if he just didn't have any other options, and he certainly didn't want to go and fight. But he did think he could help the situation. Let's look at verse 38. Then Saul Dressed David in his tunic, he put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. Now, in a sense, it was a good offer for 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 David from Saul. Only the king and his son possessed full battle dress, and so this armor would have provided David with a measure of protection. But it also kind of shows what Saul was trusting in, doesn't it? He thought his weapons and his armour could really make a difference. Maybe you could say, well Saul, if you had so much trust in your own armour, why don't you put it on and you go out to fight? But David, he wasn't used to this armour. He couldn't just step into somebody else's armour. And anyway, this is not what David was trusting in. So he took all of that off. And instead, verse 40, he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. These were the things that David had used before. This was the way that God had protected him before. And so for David, that was enough. But by doing this, David also demonstrated clearly to everybody who was watching what was really happening here. As he said to Goliath, verse 47, All those gathered here will know that it's not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's. And He will give you, give all of you into our hands. The fact that David was just going out as a shepherd showed that this was God's battle. This was what God was doing. And I think that's how God wants us to stand in this world too. We are not called to fight our battles in the way the world does. We're not called to to depend on human strength or human ingenuity or human resources. We're called to stand in faith, in love, in gentleness, in the truth of the gospel. Those weapons won't look impressive to anybody around in the world. We might look weak and unprepared, but it's in that weakness that people will more clearly see. And the battle belongs to the Lord. As Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and 7, we have this treasure, the gospel, in jars of clay, that's us, weak, ordinary looking people, to show this, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So David, he went out into this battle in faith, in God's strength. And when he did it, he experienced an amazing victory. Let's read on. Verse 48. As the Philistines moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly towards the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on his forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. (coughs) David ran and stood over him. He took the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. bit gruesome. But it was an astonishing result. Against all odds, David had defeated that giant of a man. But that wasn't the end of the battle that day. That wasn't the end of the story. The watching Philistines didn't just lay down their weapons and surrender and accept the result as per the agreement. Instead, verse 51, when the Philistines saw that their hero was dead they turned and ran then the men of of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron their dead were strewn along the the, the Sharam road to Gath and Ekron when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines they plundered the camp David took the Philistines' head and brought it into Jerusalem, and he put the Philistines' weapons in his own tent. David's victory became the victory of all of God's people that day. Because of David's conquest, suddenly all the fear that the men of Israel had been feeling just disappeared. Filled with courage and confidence, they ran forward to step into the victory that David had won for them. And I think that's the real lesson here. It it is right that we learn from David's faith and confidence in God to encourage us that we can face the, the challenges and the struggles that come in our lives. It will really help us to trust in God. No matter what, how, or how overwhelming or difficult our circumstances are. So yeah, learn from David's example. Try to follow in his footsteps. Absolutely. But we need to be honest here. None of us are like David, really. Even David wasn't really like David all the time, as we'll see down through his life. None of us respond all the time in the battles of our lives with unshakable faith. None of us do. We are all at times like Israel and paralyzed by fear. Even the the best of us, even the strongest of us are like Saul, hiding in the face of the enemy, hoping that that somebody else will go and fight his battles. Let's be clear, we are not the hero of this story. But we do have a champion who stepped into the battle for us. Someone else who was born in Bethlehem. Of the line of David. Somebody else who was rejected by his brothers. And ridiculed by his nation. Someone else who faced the ultimate enemy in weakness. And yet he triumphed over him in victory. Paul wrote about him that having disarmed the powers and authorities. He made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them by the cross and so the ultimate reason why we can face the giant of fear in our lives is not because we will win the battle but it's because Jesus already has He suffered and he died on the cross as our representative. He took the full force of the punishment that should have been ours. And he triumphed over sin and death and hell and the devil. When he rose from the grave. He too shared in their humanity. So that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death. That is the devil. And free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. And so today, we can face that giant of fear not because we will overcome the enemy of our souls, but because Jesus already has even though we will face the challenges and hardships and difficulties that this life will throw at us, even though we at times will struggle with fear and doubt, even though we might feel overwhelmed and inadequate, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved We are not the heroes. But if we have trusted in Jesus, then we are conquerors through Christ. Because Jesus is our champion. He has defeated our ultimate enemy. And He invites us to step into His victory today. To live in the security of knowing that nothing And no one can ever separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. So this is Jesus' promise to us as we face the giant of fear in our lives. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart.